Reverend Nicole Riley, lead and teaching pastor, and welcome if you're here and also if you are joining us online. If you want to follow along in our app, you will see the sermon notes there, and they will help you as we go through today's message. So, you may or may not know, but in the United Methodist Church, the denomination, there has been a spirited discussion for full inclusion of gay and lesbian people since the 1970s. So sometimes these um, discussions are helpful and sometimes these discussions are not so helpful. Um, last couple years, this has become more of a discussion in the denomination and every once in a while you'll, you'll hear about it either in the press or beyond that. Um, we're not gonna focus on that today, but what we're gonna talk about is how when we have differences of opinion from people in our life about big issues, that it can cause stress in our relationships with them. So I wanna tell you a story from my own life. When I was a new pastor, I served at Hope in Torrance for 14 years. And during that time, I became someone who was pro the inclusion of LGBTQI folks in the full breadth of ministry. But Jerry, who was a member of the church and then eventually our lay leader, he was not. Jerry came to the church my second or third year there, and he came with his wife and his two kids, and he got involved right from the beginning. He was always willing to serve. He was always willing to help out. Even though he and I, and he and many people in the church, disagreed about a variety of issues, including politics and the environment, whatever it was, um, everybody always felt that that wasn't a big issue between us and Jerry because it never stopped us from always working together, always being a community together. Years after I left, probably about 10 years, it became more of a thing to talk about full inclusion of LGBTQI. And by full inclusion, what that refers to is allowing gay and lesbian people to be ordained in the church, to serve as pastors. So as this became more and more of an issue, um, I noticed Jerry would post more about this and his thoughts about it on Facebook. He became more and more out outspoken about what he thought. Now, one day, I was on vacation. I woke up from an epic nap and I was eating a large chocolate chip cookie. And as I was eating that cookie, I was scrolling through Facebook. And what Jerry was saying there was something I just could not scroll past. Now, it could have been the nap, it could have been the sugar, but I engaged with him. And we ended up going back and forth quite a bit and agreeing to disagree. Side note, if I ever have a nap and a chocolate chip cookie, I don't go on Facebook anymore. <laughs> 
Jerry and I connected after that situation, and Jerry was always so friendly, so gracious, so supportive. His focus was always on Jesus. His focus was always on being a person of great faith. His focus was always on never letting an argument or a difference of opinion come between people. Last week, Jerry had a massive stroke and he passed away. And I was actually in San Diego at another friend's memorial service. And I learned of Jerry's death on Facebook. And what I immediately saw was so many people who disagreed with Jerry posting photos and memories celebrating his life and the Christian he was, how he was a light to us all in not letting differences of opinion get in the way of love. We live in a time where we quarrel and we judge one another, where family and friends often struggle to get along. Someone told me that she was relieved that COVID had stopped family gatherings because they were having so much trouble getting along together. We have so much judging. We have so much quarreling. Does the scripture say to us, how are we to live in a time that is full of disagreement? How are we to live in this time as Christians? What would God have us do? Well, today we're going to continue our series on Jumpstart Your Life, Your Joy, and Your Faith. This is a study on the book of James and James is often talked about as the handbook for Christian living. And today we're going to talk about moving past quarrels and judgment. So let's hear our text today. This is James 4, 1 through 3, 11 through 12, and this is the message version of the scripture. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourself. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to, your spoiled children, each wanting your own way. Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's a heavy text today. 
James is turning up the intensity on his words. He is talking about some hard things. So let's look at what this text would say to us today. The first thing is it focuses on quarrels. Text is basically two parts, quarrels and judgment. So it starts with quarrels, and it starts with James saying, is it that quarrels just happen? And he says, no, there's no mystery in why we quarrel with one another. So I want you to think about your last disagreement with someone. You might not call it a quarrel, maybe it was a quarrel, but just your last disagreement with someone. Just think about it for a moment. Did it happen out of the blue? Possibly it festered for a long time. It wouldn't just pop up. It wasn't out of the blue. It was something that was underneath for quite a while. Possibly you had a nap and a cookie and you were raring to go. Many times we do find ourselves in these arguments that have been churning in the background for a long time. And we reach a moment when we tell ourselves, that's it. I can't be silent anymore. I can't take it anymore. And why is that? Why is it we just can't let things go? Why is it we just can't say to ourselves, well, that's how they think, and they have every right to think that way, and I think differently, and I have every right to think how I think? Well, this is really the second big point of the text. James says that we find ourselves doing this because we believe we are right, and we want others to think the way we think. James uses this imagery. He says, you lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. Now this language is really ratcheted up to get our attention. I don't think there was a lot of killing going on in the early church. But what it's talking about is how in the midst of arguments, we can surprise ourselves by how angry we get. Has that ever happened to you? You find yourself all of a sudden being so angry about something. Sometimes we feel out of control. Sometimes we feel that these disagreements can even lead to violence. I am the oldest of four children. And if you are the oldest, you know that one of the things about being the oldest is that you have lots of time to develop how to taunt the other children. <laughs> My brother David, in particular, was the one I liked to taunt. I liked to mock him. I liked to debate him. I liked to just give him a general hard time. And believe me, he gave as good as he got. But I remember the moment when I thought to myself, I should probably turn this down a bit. I realized that David was getting taller than I was, that he was getting stronger than I was. 
And there was that fateful moment when I saw that he picked up the wooden meat mallet and came after me with it. I crossed a line that day, and so did he. We were both so angry. Third thing to see is that most of our arguments may not end in outward violence, but sometimes they do. We see it in the news. We see the anger that erupts and how people who just have disagreements with each other find themselves doing things that they later terribly regret. But even when physical violence doesn't happen, there can be a deep anger that takes root in us and that sows its seeds of its own emotional violence. I want to draw attention to how in the text today, James is talking about a specific kind of argument, an argument around our desires. In other words, arguing with someone or with God or with life because there is something we want. And we don't pray for this thing because we know that we want it purely out of selfishness. So how does that look? Well, one way it looks is that we may try to manipulate people to get what we want from them. We may offer them a guilt trip or we may offer them promises to get them to do what it is we want them to do because our hearts are set on getting our own way. And we believe that we know best. We do this because we rationalize with ourselves that, of course, what we think is the right thing and the thing that everyone should agree upon and everyone should do. I actually saw this in my own life this week. This week I was talking to my coach about a meeting I had coming up, and she said very innocently, what outcome do you want the meeting to bring about? And I had a moment of honesty where I said, well, I would like things to go exactly my way, and I would like the person I'm meeting with to do exactly what I think she should do, and I think that would be best for everybody which, of course, is the problem. And James is talking about that today. We do not have the right to control others. James says it this way. He says, you're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. The truth is we do not know what is best for one another, even when we think we do. The text wants us to know that if we move past quarrels, we've got to recognize our own tendencies to want what we want, to be selfish and to think that we know what is best for others. When we find ourselves here, we can find ourselves manipulating people, using heated words, and in some cases, even using violence to get what we want. So, I want you to think for a moment. Who are you in your life right now most likely to quarrel with, to debate with, to give a hard time to? Maybe someone in your family, maybe someone in your neighborhood, maybe someone at work or school. 
I want you to think about who that person is. And I want you to be willing to have a little bit of a shift of perspective that you would recognize your tendencies here to quarrel and that you would be willing to grow in your respect for the other person. Even if there will never be a meeting of the minds, as followers of Jesus, you and I are called to embrace the truth that it is not our job to change anyone. We are called to love and to respect one another. So that builds on this second part of the text for today, this part on judgment. Let's hear that part again. It says, don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? So if the first part of our text today is about becoming aware of what's behind the quarrels we get in and to be willing not to manipulate each other and to grow in our respect for those who see things differently than we do, this part here, this second part, is about how we often find ourselves gossiping and putting people down. The text calls it bad-mouthing. Now, why is this a problem to bad-mouth people? Why is it a problem to put people down? What is the problem with this? James says it does not line up well with God's call on our lives. And one of the reasons is because each of us is created in the image and likeness of God. We are God's message to the world. His life lives in us. And when we put each other's down, well, the text puts it this way. It says you're supposed to be honoring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. It's a great image, isn't it? It does feel like when we spend time and get in the habit of putting people down, it's almost like we've got a can of spray paint going over them or a Sharpie going over them. Second, what is missing when we do this? What is missing when we put one another down, when we badmouth each other, when we argue and complain about each other? Well, what is missing is understanding. Understanding our shared humanity. Understanding that we are all imperfect beings. Understanding that judgment is not for us to dole out, but that is what God does. As Jesus says, it's easy for us to see the speck in somebody else's eye, but not the log in our own. Also, it's an understanding that when we indulge in putting people down, we don't diminish others, we diminish ourselves. Because when we do this, when we get this habit in our lives, we become more distant from God, we become more distant from one another, we become more distant even from ourselves. And that's not how you and I are called to live this life. 
So who do you have a tendency to judge? Think about who they are, family member, friend, somebody you know in the community. Are you willing to put that aside? To be willing to see that when you judge, it not only hurts, it hurts you. It diminishes the light of God that is within all of us. Lots to think about today. Jerry always reminded me in my over 10 years of working with him that the things we discussed and the arguments we got in weren't the most important things. But that respect and understanding and love and service were. So, what about you? Where do you need to move past quarrels and judgment? Do it. You will be lighter in your spirit, and you will be happier in your heart. For when we put aside quarrels and judgments, that is a sure way to jumpstart our life, our joy, and our faith. Let us pray.